Greetings, fellow imps. I'm Imp Fossil Tom Henske, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, Where Incarnate Memories Prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the university a blank canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to now here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the imps that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. Imp Nation, we are back. Wow, I got a great one today. Les Williams in the house. What's up, man? (laughs) I am back. I am back, Thomas Hinsky. I am back. What's up, man? Oh, my God. Just having a blast with these podcasts. So much fun. So much fun. And you and I have been emailing back and forth for, like, I feel like a year now. You you were early on. You hit me an email. I said, I got to get you on. We're going back and forth. And finally, I got you down, tracked you down. You're a busy man. You got a lot going on. But I got you here. What's happening? Talk to me. What are you? Where Where are you living? Where are you calling me from? I'm calling you from Arlington, Virginia, specifically Crystal City, a.k.a. the Crizzle Dizzle, baby. Home of Amazon. The Crizzle Dizzle. Man, (laughs) that is going to make its way into my email that I send off to everyone. That's awesome. (laughs) So tell me, take me back, take me back. Where did you start? It was Thomas Jefferson High School, right? That's right, man. Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. It's a long-ass title. Okay, so first of all, I got to tell you, I have two questions for you in a comment. So the first question is, do you get a leg up in applying to UVA when you're coming from a school that's called Thomas Jefferson? I think we do. And I think most people think that there's a damn lawn at TJ High School. But if you go there, it's just this weird looking metallic dude stepping out of a globe. And then the lawn is this piece of, of you know, lawn, really grass. That's kind of like half trampled from students just having, you know, lunch outdoors. So it's nowhere near as spectacular as a lawn that you and I and nation knows well, but it'll do. You know, what's interesting, Tom, the the damn near almost half the class at TJ goes to UVA. Great school, good education, magnet school, all that stuff. And so when we find out we get in, we're like, oh, I'm going to UVA. Hey, same here. And then somebody down the hall, oh, same here. So the people I love and the people I hate, we're all going to UVA. This is great. I'm very proud of the school. I had a great time there. I was the homecoming king. Um, Just loved having fun. I was doing jokes, imp-like jokes at TJ before I got to the real TJ, UVA. And so I have this great affinity for it. And I'm always talking to kids who get accepted there. And saying, you know, hey, at first I didn't want to go, Tom, because you're leaving your school, your your friends behind for middle school. And you're like, well, shit, why am I going to this unexplored school with all these other dorks? My mom said, look, give it a shot. And if you don't like it, you can always leave and and go back to your base school. And my base school was West Potomac, which is still a great, great school. So I went there. And after the first quarter, I was like, this place is great. I thought it was just a bunch of losers. And I realized I was the only loser. So wait, so so what? So you're referring to it as T J S and T. Say that again. Oh, so T J H 
SS&T, Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. It's a lot of S's and T's in there. So, so usually we just say TJ, but there's like, it's, it's T-J-H-S-S. It's, it's a lot of words. It's very wordy. Yeah, it sounds like, bi- it sounds like Bismarck, he got a hold of that one and he's just rocking he did, it out. Yeah. He, he got all, ripped it to shreds. Got Yeah, it's, it's a <laughs> fascinating school, man. And I thought I actually was going to, was not going to like it, but I ended up loving it. And some of my closest friends, Tom, are from TJ that I still keep in touch with, even a few that live in Charlottesville. And that went to UVA. So what happened? Did you get in trouble in your other school and your parents shipped you off there? What, what was happening? You, you, you do some jail time? What like that? There's always this backstory to how you wind up there, right? So here's what happened, man. If you remember, and for those who live in the Northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland area, or DMV is what it's called. Growing up, it wasn't DMV. It was just Metro D.C., right? Metro D.C. May, it was like the, the weekend of my birthday. I was born May 27th. And that Memorial Day weekend time frame, they had these air shows when it was called Andrews Air Force Base. Now it's Joint Base Andrews. So when I started going there in middle school, what amazed me, and this is really dorky, and I love sharing it. I was like, how the hell do these planes fly? The F-14 Tomcats, the F-16 Fighting Falcons, uh, the Hercules transportation jets, the, the Galaxy. So I literally started studying how airplanes work. And different engines. And I was like, I, I, this is fast. And I was always, always good at math. And so my parents said, and my mom was an educator, uh, 47 years uh, teacher in Fairfax County. Her and my dad said, you should apply to this school, Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. I didn't really know much about it, to tell you the truth. So I applied and I said, well, this is cool. Uh, you take a test, right? So I did the test, scored well on it, write an essay or two, and I'm getting in. And then all of a sudden, it's like my parents led me along, like, oh, just see if you can get in. Then once I got in, I realized this is real. Like, if I go there, I'm going to now not be able to be with all my middle school friends. And so, um, you know, that that was the carrot they dangled in front of me. Hey, if you want to do real, like, airplane design, this school can help you pr- prepare you for it. But I didn't at the time, Tom, realize what that meant. And that meant leaving a lot of my friends from middle school. Well, you turned out okay, and you're still kind of social, even though you're hanging out in a sea of dorks. So I, it's pretty, like, I'm impressed, man. You're like a cool cat compared to, yeah. like, you know. Like, I mean, you know, look at somebody like Charles Way. And he was an engineer. That's right. He's an engineer, <laughs> and he's a total dork, right? So Tool. 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 And, and I'll say it to him from, like, two football fields away. You are a tool. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll run. Really yeah, quick. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he had the story of chasing uh, streakers down the lawn in his episode. Yep. Like, you know, I'm saying to myself, God, can you imagine that guy chasing you? That is scary. <laughs> That's a scary night. That's a scary night. Him, him and our other friend, uh, Wally Legbay as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll throw him in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good shout out, right? So, so cool. So then you wound up at UVA. Tell me about the story. Yeah. So what happened is four years at TJ, loved it. And I I got into some pretty cool engineering schools. I got into MIT, Cornell, Georgia Tech. But what's interesting, Tom, is I wasn't sure I wanted to be an engineer. I loved aircraft design. I love engines. But but most of us don't know what the hell we want to be when, when we graduate high school. And for that matter, college. And for that matter, the first 10 years of our professional life. But I, the only school I really visited was UVA. The other schools, I had phone interviews, a few face-to-face meetings. But I had this connection with UVA once I drove down 29 for the first time ever. And I remember this was around, we all remember this in the 90s, the stalker 
But I drove down there and all of a sudden I was like, you know, it's like almost when you're dra- driving down 29 and then once you get to the Cavalier end, which no longer exists, you see the tennis courts and Mim Jim and you hear this sound in your head like, uh, I was like, this is a beautiful campus. And so I walked around toward it with my parents and I was like, everybody at that damn school, we know everybody's smart, right? Intellectually, you have to be to get in but everybody was very well-rounded and you saw people smiling, even the engineers, you saw people smiling. Well, they were probably delirious because they didn't sleep for five days straight. Exactly. As I, as I, as I soon learned, but I really liked this, the social aspect. And we always say this, but to really experience it after I went to other schools or talked to alums at other schools, you could feel it. And that's when I knew, Hey, this is where I want to be for the next four years, man. You're a smart dude if those are the schools you're looking at, too. Holy cow. Holy I cow. I just circled B on all the multiple choices. <laughs> B, is, B always the SAT or something. Now I think it's C. It's moving. B is what I circled. Yeah, it's funny. I think I, I was a C guy. I don't know why C. I just felt like <laughs> I felt like the test makers would try to like fool you on the first two, but bury yeah. the real answer somewhere in there so that yep. it was either going to be B or C. They never put C. it in A or D. That would be D, wrong. Exactly. Like You got to think like the test takers. You got to think like That's that. That's right. It was never all of the above. Never the, D. Never. Yeah. Never, never do. That could, that, all of the above always mess me up, right? Same or, here. Or, you know, I hate it all of the above or none of the above, right? Oh, none, yeah. There was an E. Yeah. E, none of the above. Shit. It's never E. So then you, you wound up on grounds. Tell me about first year. What was it like? You know, there's Rodman and Eccles Scholar. Many people know what Eccles Scholar is, but not that many people know what Rodman Scholars are. So Rodman Scholar is an engineering version of Eccles. So just take an Eccles Scholar, put dorky glasses on them and give them a pocket protector. And that's a Rodman Scholar. You're picked to be a Rodman Scholar based on things like GPA, uh, SAT, all that stuff. So I wasn't selected. And so what I did is I wrote a letter to the Rodman Scholars Program and said, hey, here's why I think I should be selected to be a part of the Rodman Scholars Program. And I got in. And the gentleman who, who was the head of the Rodman program, I think his, his first name was Yaakov Himes, I believe, and rest in peace. He just passed away three weeks ago. He was in the engineering department. He wrote me a letter back and said, we've never had anybody in the history of the Rodman program write us a handwritten note suggesting why they should be a Rodman scholar. You were the first one, and we want to welcome you to the Rodman family. Wow. I was like, that's really cool. It, sh- it sh- goes to show you. Being proactive yet humble can serve you well in life. And so here I was, Rodman Scholar at UVA my first year. I did place out a lot of the um, uh, the, the washout, what do they call them, the, the classes they try to get you to, to flunk out of school. So I already you know placed out of chemistry, and I loved chemistry, so I didn't do that. I think there was another one, maybe it was physics or so. Um, but the first year was, was the, only, the challenging part about it was it's almost like you're going from um, you, you think the college experience is when you're going to meet all these people, have a great time, spend, spend the day walking along the lawn when class gets out at two. When you're an engineering student, and this is what people don't understand, not only is something due every day, Tom, but the stuff that's due every day is not easy. And so you have a full-time job when you're an engineer. And that's why I give credit to so many people who did engineering um, uh, you know, 
Charles, for example, and other people did engineering and still did a, a division one sport because I don't know how your body can sleep and still be prepared to do other things when you have a full-time job. That's the biggest shock for me is I had a full-time job when I was 18 years old. It's interesting. I now understand why you and I click from the beginning. You placed out of chemistry. I also placed out of a class. I placed out of phys ed. So the yep, phys ed requirement. Right. So, so that must mean that's, we're, right. we're, that's why we're so connected. I get, that's why we're connected. Okay. Don't, let it, don't let it fool you because I'm telling you, doing damn push-ups and calisthenics, it is a no, but not everybody can do it, man. Not everybody, but you did it. I did it. That's it. I was big time. The unfortunate part is I, the chemistry that they offered, I had to go take a pre-class of remedial chemistry just to get into the regular chemistry class. So, (laughs) but you know, it's all joking aside. I love the handwritten note. I love it. I think that's a lost art. I've said that to my kids a million times that they, you know, Hey, you want to separate yourself from everybody else? Send a handwritten note. I, and I said, your, your generation might think it's weird. My generation thinks it's cool. I, so yeah, think about it, man. I'm telling you, I, to this day and for everybody listening, I write about on average three handwritten thank you notes to people. I have my own stationery. I've written handwritten thank you notes to, if you remember the movie, the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, well, Smith, it was yeah, awesome. And he yeah. had and he had the young kid in it, right? Yes. Which, which I think kid, was yeah. his son who played it the role. Right. Yep. Oh, my That's God. That, that is it. Say that yeah. movie again. That's a must watch. Go ahead. Tell That's everybody. Yeah. The Pursuit of Happiness. And happiness is spelled H-A-P-P-Y-N-E-S-S. I was so moved by that movie in 2000. And I think it was seven when I watched it in Atlanta, Georgia. And we'll get to all that fun stuff soon. I wrote a letter to Chris Gardner who has his own firm, Gardner Rich in Chicago, saying he inspired me to, to begin my entrepreneurial journey. He called me on the phone three weeks after I wrote that letter and we spoke. We ended up meeting in person. So I've written a lot of people, because nobody does it these days. I write, I write clients handwritten thank you notes. Uh, an amazing woman at one of my favorite coffee shops, Blue Bottle Coffee in DC. Uh, I wrote them a handwritten thank you note and gave them a holiday tip. And they said, who, how old are you and who does that? And we love you. No, it's a lost art form. You saw my handwriting? <laughs> just like, what is this, hieroglyphics? But yes, getting back to Yakova, I wrote him a note and, and he said, this is powerful. And, and that, that's what happened. So, okay, so you get in and then take me through that first year. What was going on? Yeah, yeah, man, the first year, it was, it, it was, um, it was drinking from a fire hose. I wanted to do any and everything. And so I did. I was on the engineering student council. One of the things I did not, I have never let go, even now at 43, I, I lived at AFC. I lived at Slaughter. I lived at Mem Gym. I said, I am not letting my health go to the wayside because I'm working too much. So that's one of the things that was non-negotiable. So what I did is I learned at an early age and, and I'm, a, I'm very detail oriented and I'm very schedule. I schedule everything. And so I learned and I wish they had they had um, smartphones back then because it would have made my calendar and my tasks list easier. But I would walk around with these index cards in my pocket, Tom, of things I had to get done. And I would list them like top priority, middle priority, and longer priority. And so that's how I got through my first year. It was from waking up. It was to, you know, if I didn't finish schoolwork the night before, this is what I would do. Then I would eat and then I would go to class and engineering classes. They usually start 8.30 or 9. And then You'd have a lunch break somewhere in there. And they sometimes didn't end until 5.30 if you had a lab. 
And so I just found a way to creatively structure my day such that I still could work out maybe three or four times a week, but still find a way to a sleep. That was the part. That was the thing that did slip the most. But at a young age, you can you can you can get by on a little sleep. But but finding a way to structure the stuff so that even my weekends, I was still doing homework on Saturday and Sunday, but I would still go out to some parties. It was not a shock to see me at like a Sigma Nu party, um, you know, right there by the architecture school of Sigma Nu at like, you know, 9 a.m. to like 11, have a good time, dance, all that kind of stuff, and then leave and go back and work on, do some work, and then wake up on a Sunday, have brunch with friends maybe, and then go back to work, then go to Slaughter, AFC, or Mim Gym. So it set me up for being on a schedule for the next three years after that. Where'd you pick that up from? I think I was always like that. Uh, now my, my, and maybe I got it via osmosis through my parents. And I, that part, I'm not sure, but it, it, it probably was through them because my dad's very task oriented and he's a guy who just gets stuff done. My mom does as well. But I think when you're, you know, they say if you're thrown in, the, in a pool and you're a young kid, it's sink or swim. So several engineers didn't make it because it's really hard. And it's not because they're not smart at all. There's people that could kick my ass in a lot of these classes, but I knew that if I could develop a strategy for how to attack this, then I could, I could, you know, push my way through that. So it was all about developing a strategy and, and at least having work to turn in, right? And not just saying, oh, I can't do this shit, I'm done. I was out partying too late at night. Right. You can always make an excuse up on stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And sit, or, or push it and say, I'll do it tomorrow. Right. And then Bingo. that never works. That never works. And some people learn that lesson. Some people don't. Usually the kids learn it the hard way and then they, they, they get into the real world and they realize they can't get away with that anymore. So, t- so tell me, um, what were you like clubs wise? Were you joining anything during that time? I know we'll get into yeah. the imp story, but tell me about the non imp story. Yeah. So here's the non imp story. So what I did is a, I started an organization on campus and, and um, many people who were around in the late 90s, even people I meet at UVA to this day said, oh, shit, that was you. So I started an organization called BUCKS, B-U-C-K-S. So it stands for Brothers United Celebrating Knowledge and Success, because what was happening in the late 90s? And I'm, man, this goes on at every college campus across the United States of America especially if you're a black person, because many times the communities look at you like, oh, you think you're better than us. You're acting better than us. Yale, Harvard, any of these big schools, right? Duke, the black folks in the community sometimes will say, well, you think you're better than us because you come here, you use our resources. And after four years, you leave and you go get big jobs in New York, DC, LA, et cetera, et cetera. And many times the students, the black students, look down upon the Charlottesville residents. Whether or not they realize it, they they don't view them as equals. So me and some very close friends said, you know what, about seven of us, we got together and we said, what's going on in Charlottesville is not good because we had several fights between some of the black football players and some of the Charlottesville residents. I don't like using that word townies because that's degrading to them. So I say Charlottesville residents. And so what we did is we said, in order to help fix this problem, we need to show the Charlottesville residents that not everybody is an asshole that goes to UVA, except for Tom Hensky. Only one. There's only, only, there's only one. Right. That's it. That's it. The first and the last. Who could The first th- and the last. And now I'm the president and CEO of Impodcast Inc. I mean, come on. Can you dream? 
can you you dream low and then and then think big and then you will get to big things and look at you now right and so what we did is we opened up computer labs in the charlottesville community um so there was a few elementary schools and they'll they'll come to me in in a little bit but we opened up computer labs so that these black residents could see us working with their sisters their brothers their sons their daughters their nieces their nephews and so Madison House got word of this and they said, well, shit, can we help? So they started staffing some of these computer labs with some of their volunteers. So we basically created an inroads for Madison House to get into some parts of these communities where they couldn't get into. And so it became a success. So, so that was part of, the, of, the, of us saying, well, there's something that we can do that's very like low friction. It was like we just got a bunch of you know, used computers um, got some space in a, um, a computer facility. And John Green, one of my very good friends, he lives in this area. He's an engineer. He spearheaded that, right? So he was a big part of that. And so after that, the success of that computer lab, we did something that is very imp-like. We also noticed, this was in the late 90s, there was friction internally at UVA between some of the white students and some of the black students. In the form of this was around uh, University of Michigan, they had that that uh, law. So there was a white woman who didn't get into University of Michigan law and claimed affirmative action is horrible. Uh, this is stupid. I'm suing. And so there, things are tense on campus. And so my good friend Stephen Shepard, who's now a high, a big time lawyer in New York, and then Gordon Braxton, who's written a few books, very very good guy. It's Gordon's idea. He said, let's come up with a forum where we bring the races together at the University of Virginia. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So it was called a reflection on complexion. And so <laughs> that's because awesome. I can't, I can't do shit normally, Tom. I just can't. Ah, listen. So what I, <laughs> what I did is I said, let's make sure that we inject as much humor in this as we can, because otherwise we won't get people to show up to it. So we started putting flyers around campus and they said shit like um, a bonics, what that is, question mark, or reflection on complexion, April 4th, chemistry auditorium, you know, come, you know, come by. We couldn't say sign up electronically because I didn't have the technology to do that. We just said, come by, right? Another one said, are there any 7-Elevens in India? Question mark. <laughs> and so, and all this shit was approved by the administration and cultural groups too, right? Another one said, how come all white guys wear shorts when it's cold outside? I love it. Reflection on <laughs> so we started poking fun at this. And Steve Shepard went around and videotaped people doing different things. Like he asked white dudes to break dance on campus, on, on the lawn. And some were really good. We're like, oh, shit. We asked black dudes to sing country music songs. And they were. So all of a sudden, we had this video. I, I worked with Wes Coppinen, who graduated with me. He was um, the president of the IFC, Interfraternal Council. In this forum became one of the cultural events that the sororities and fraternities are required to do a semester. So they have a choice of doing them. So Friday night, we packed the chemistry auditorium in April of 1998. And we literally had this, we showed the video that Steve Shepard made. And then we started asking deep personal questions about race. One person, for example, asked the question, hey, how come when black football players cut the lunch line, nobody says anything? And so there was a group of black football players sitting there and they all kind of slumped down in their seats and everybody laughed, Tom. And so that's what we did. The forum went on. We did the same thing next year. And even after I graduated, it still went on in different forms. But that was something really powerful. And I was proud of that that Bucks did with the community at UVA. 
Oh my God, what an amazing initiative. That's, do you know, where did that go from there once you left? Was it able to hang on? Did it go in a different form? Did Madison House take it over? What happened? Yeah, so it's still, the the computer labs, that still lasted quite a long time. And I think, I, I forget what happened to those. I have to actually reach back, back out to that. The forums went on for another maybe five to seven years and they did change direction like anything that evolves, right? They did change some of their directions. The organization Bucks lasted um, all the way until I think five years ago is when it just lost momentum. But that's still a pretty damn long time that the organization was around for 15 plus years. My God, that's amazing. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah. Holy cow. And then what else were you doing? Were you in any fraternities? Well, I would ask if you were in a sorority. I mean, I'm sure you'd be welcomed well, by well, many sororities. Well, my sororities. name is Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E. So oh, so you're kind of, yeah, you're kind of, you go. I, I can do anything. Right. right. <laughs> it's like, well, so, but, I think there was like, um, it reminded me, I think that there was um, a skit on Saturday Night Live. It was, who's that? It's Pat or something like that. Yeah, and that's, they tried Pat, to that's figure right. Out, yeah. It's Pat, like names like Pat and Chris. Like, you guys, Chris and yeah, yeah. And you don't know, right? Yeah, 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 Tom, I'm kind of typecasted with Tom, but like. <laughs> You're typecasted. Yeah, but Leslie, Leslie, you could go, you can go either way, man. Good for you. Yeah, you can go either way, man. Which is great. I don't have to wait in restrooms. When I go to football stadiums, I can pick either one. You just say, sorry, sorry, I'm Leslie. <laughs> sorry, I'm Leslie, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I did a um, and you'll love this. So uh, Spectrum Theater was created by Steve Shepard, the same guy who did um, uh, that I did the Reflection on Complexion with. So he created a, a basically drama group on campus. I was not affiliated with the drama department, but it tackled heavy social issues. For example, we did Lysistrata. And if you remember, that was the, the play where back in the days, women denied sex to their husbands so they could stop a war. So we did that in the, and it took place in the 60s. Another play we did that was huge was um, Romeo and Juliet. And so I was Mercutio in that play. And Lord Capulet was none other than Wally Allegbe. And so uh, we were in that play and the, the play took place during, it was set during the 60s, used the, the um, authentic Shakespearean dialogue. I still remember my Queen Mab speech there. She is Queen Mab, right? Right, so, but, but the Capulets were Black and the Montagues were white, and it took place during the 60s. And so once again, kind of like reflection on complexion, we used Shakespeare's original dialogue and showed the student body, hey, we're really more similar than we think. And if we don't solve this issue and come together, I sound like Coach Boone and Remember the Titans, then we're going to fall. We're not going to make it. You know what? Hey, this could be worse people that you could quote, right? I mean, That's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me, what happened with the imps? How did that come about? Yeah. So I have the mo- a very unique imp story. So when I was tapped, this was the same time when I was doing the reflection on complexion. This was my third year. It was my hardest year. This is where the, the discipline I learned during my f- first year, Tom, helped me during my third and fourth year. Because third year is the hardest year. I had my major. I was doing thermodynamics, um, elementary applied partial differential equations with Fourier series variables. Like, Hard as shit. It was also my best year because I spent the most time knowing if I'm going to do this play, I'm going to give it my all academically. And so when I was tapped, they could never find me because I went to seven different places to study. And I went to those seven different places because I had to like really focus. And so one of them was Darden. I would go to work at those study rooms at Darden. Another one was in um, uh, uh, Hereford College. 
Another one was at the, one of the Stacks Library, which they're renovating. Everything's being renovated. Another one was at um, Clemens Library. Uh, another one was um, on the corner at one store that's probably not there anymore. And so it got to the point where the people were like, hey, can we just set an appointment in time where we can tap you and march you around? And I said, oh, yeah, let's do that. This was before everybody had cell phones. And so plans would change because my group projects would meet in different areas. So all of a sudden you're doing these group projects and I didn't meet somewhere like in the engineering school, like, and it's really hard in the mechanical engineering department to find rooms. They weren't numbered well. So I never ended up getting tapped. I just showed up the, the first meeting it, it, that I was assigned to show up to. I never got tapped. What? Because it never worked out. I never got tapped. And so, so these smartphones we have would have helped because I could say, my location has changed. Here's where I'm at. I never got tapped. Okay, so I'm hearing you and... Like, I almost don't believe you because what's going through my head is that you said you had seven different places that you studied. That seems like an elaborate scheme to keep seven different women apart from each other and basically <laughs> running from studying with one woman to the next in seven different places, never to be found at the same place. It seems like just an elaborate scheme that was put together by a college student. And you're right. And so here's the seven different women. Thermodynamics is one. Elementary applied partial differential equations is two. Statics two is three. Um, uh, what else was there? I could go, I, I can't even, phys quantum physics was four. Five was um, ESI, electrical science. I was getting a D at the beginning of the semester, pulled it up to all the way up to a B minus. Uh, six was a class by T.C. Scott, who was a very close friend. It was called MAE 334, and we still stay in touch. I'm going to his birthday party. He's an instructor at Sweetbriar College on Sunday, May, March 27th, I believe is when I'm going down there. And number seven was another class by T.C. Scott. Those were my seven different women that I dated. And remember, when you're an engineer, you can't date women. It's when you graduate and people realize, oh, wow, you actually are smart. And, well, your hygiene's questionable because you didn't shower for four years, but you're still smart. So, okay, so you're, uh, any imp stories that you remember from back in the day? Yeah, so there was one fun story where we were, um, that's where I got to meet and became close to, for that, you know, short six months to Pat Kearney. So Pat Kearney, if you remember, amazing guy, he's a stud, he was never an imp, but but uh, he just was always hanging out with us. He, I got to carry tuna with him from one of the lawn rooms to one of the frat houses. And it was cool because here I am carrying tuna and I'm holding my own with this guy. His muscles were the size of Texas. And I'm like Rhode Island, which is still a big state. Right. But I'm, I'm carrying like books around and he, he's carrying linemen, offensive linemen around all day. But here I was carrying holding tuna with him, singing the imp song with pitchforks, tipsy. And we're just walking down the street. And it was like, well, it was one of the most fun moments because all of my buddies were there, my buddies hanging out, having a really good time. It was beautiful weather. And Wayne Cozart uh, had his red shoes on marching beside me. And he had his seersucker suit. And we were just all singing, I don't want to be a Zoomer. Uh, and it was like parents that were on tours with their prospective kids were like, WTF. <laughs> and they laughed. So that that one image there was just a lot of fun. It was one, it was a, a Friday 
And that's like, and not only is it my favorite imp moment, um, and I'll tell you my number two in a second, but it was also my favorite um, moment at UVA because it encapsulated people who have fun, but people who like are going to be su- super successful in life, including Pat Kearney, what he's doing even beyond football. We bumped into each other in Atlanta when I lived there too. We gave each other a giant hug um, when we were down there. Um, uh, he was actually leaving a, a, a club and I was going into the club. We just gave each other a big hug. And I've seen him. I bumped into him at an airport, LaGuardia, about five years ago. But that was a fun moment that I had. Always remember that. Isn't it amazing how you have those kind of pictures that get burned in your head forever? I always tell when I was on the wedding circuit, meaning like all my friends were getting married. Yeah. I would always stop them in the middle of the cocktail hour and just say, just stop for a second and take a picture of this because this picture that you're about to take in your head is the visual that you're going to carry with you the rest of your life. And it's amazing. We all have different memories like that from our UVA years that, you know, that we remember sitting somewhere or talking to someone or, like you said, carrying the tuna. It's amazing how that kind of stays with us forever. Tom, we're the same because when I went on my, um, honeymoon with my wife who also went to UVA and later Harvard Business School. We both went to both schools. Um, We were swimming with wild dolphins in Mauritius and I grabbed her hand. The sun was beating down on us and dolphins were around us and I held her hand in the waters. We're treading water and I said, let's just remember this. Our smartphones aren't with us. Let's just hold hands and just remember where we're at right now. That's one of the memories too. I take to my grave. And to this day, I'll still talk about it, whether I said, I still feel the way the water, the taste of the water in my mouth, the dolphins around us going. <laughs> First on in podcast, we've never had a dolphin impersonation and we never will again because no one will ever beat that one. That is phenomenal. Never. never. That's right. Flipper. We were hanging out with Flipper. So wait, tell me, I know you're going to tell me the other imp story, but before we do, I'm going to take a quick little detour. You mentioned your wife. She went to UVA. Were you dating she her while you were at UVA? No, no. Here's what's funny. Um, at UVA. So her name is BJ Wiley Williams and she's from Boston and she was in the college of arts and science. And we laugh because to this day, she says, I always remember you as a guy who just loved life. She said, there's a lot of guys who were kind of sketchy. A lot of guys who were boring, a lot of guys who were super duper jocks, but she says, you always were respectful. I all, and this, this is the imp ethos. We love having fun. But but we love doing stuff for other people that's positive, which we're going to get to. We'll get to my second story in a little bit. But she said, I was like, I didn't realize just how smart you were because you were always having a good time. You had this giant backpack and I had this bike, this Trek Antelope bike, 730 bike that I would just fly around grounds with, with my other engineering friends. She said, you were either there doing that or like at a party, like swinging off the rafters at Sigma Nu. And I later realized, holy shit, like you're like doing really good in the engineering school. But she says, I just didn't know you had a lot of substance. And she says, I don't mean that in a negative way, because most people and you're young, you don't. Right. But here you are just having a damn good time. 
And, and there you are. So we didn't start dating until even after we both went to business school, like 2011, 2012. So BJ will listen to this, right? Because the, yep. the spouses usually do. BJ, yep. n- like no crap. He was having a good time. Seven libraries. Did you hear what was going on? And no wonder you couldn't find him. He was at a different place. He was a moving right. target. Like, so, right. so of course the guy was having a good time. He was like cla- was claiming studying. Okay, studying in air quotes. Studying okay, air quotes. right. And, and, but <laughs> good. Friday night. So it was probably best bj that you did not meet him during that period of time because uh you might have been a little off in your assessment about what he was doing but like in like the big scheme of things good dude so you got him eventually you just needed to get him at a time he didn't have seven libraries at his disposal to do what he needed to do so okay great all right we'll move on with that now that we've embarrassed everybody okay so tell me the second imp story yeah the second imp story so i actually um nominated my one of my favorite professors tc scott um, he's a legend at UVA. I nominated him for the faculty award. And I, I wrote what he meant to all the students and what he meant to me. And I couldn't, it was at the Boris Head Inn. I think that's where a lot of them were. I couldn't make it because I was interviewing for a job, which I later got Ford Motor Company, which was my first job after I graduated. And it it meant so much to me because many times engineers, we don't think about things beyond what's due the next day. That's just how we're wired because we're trying to survive. I always joke with people, we didn't see color. We didn't see black or white. All we saw was red and that's the blood that we shed every day, just trying to just struggle to get through. But I said, there's so many amazing faculty and we don't recognize them like people in the college recognize their faculty. So I wrote this, this recommendation, gave him the reasons why he was so cool the labs that he does for all the, the the students. And he does this stuff on weekends at home, at his home. He builds projects on the weekends for his students. And so he won. And when he came back, he, you know, and I still have the award. I save a lot of stuff. It's not on my Dropbox, what I wrote for him, the description of, of it. And he just gave me a big hug and he said, Williams, you're okay. And he's, he was always a man of few words. When I go back to, I'm teaching a class at UVA now on Zoom, but whenever I go back to meet my students in person, he'll come, he'll make the drive to come see me, him and his lovely wife. And he gives me a big hug and he'll say, I can't believe that you're influencing the future of this country, but maybe one day they'll be just as good as us and they'll go on to do great things. He talks just like that and everybody laughs. That's cool. That was my second story. That's awesome. Super powerful. Those professors can have a way of staying with us forever, right? Bingo. So, hey, I want to get to what you're doing now. But before we do that, can you just give me a quick little run up of what happened after you graduated up until what you're doing now? Yeah. So after I graduated, um, went to work at Ford Motor Company in Dearborn, Michigan, was on a rotation program. During one of my rotations, I was actually... um, uh, helping to identify why a model, a Ford model was stalling in the field and vehicle stalling. There's so many root causes, but I was the engineer put in charge of that. So I was speaking to different dealerships around the United States. And a few dealers said, you are one of the few engineers who can, can actually talk to our dealership staff and put things into human terms, not nerdy engineering terms. We need you like in the business function at Ford, like sales and marketing. So I did a rotation in sales and marketing. Loved it. Still keep in touch with my boss, Amy Marintic, who is now leading up one of the Google auto divisions. She's amazing. Um, so I went to get my MBA because I wanted to join Ford's marketing leadership program. And you need an MBA for that. 
So went to Harvard Business School, graduated in 2005, was one of the class co-presidents. There's two of us. Didn't go back to Ford because at the time I, IBM caught my interest because they have a great sales training program, but still kept the relationship up with, with Ford. Um, worked for IBM for three years, Tom, in Atlanta. Loved it. That's where I bumped into Pat Kearney, for example, and a lot of other um, uh, UVA folks down in Atlanta. Big contingent down there. But after a while, I woke up one day and I said, I'm making really good money, bought a condo. Something deep inside me says, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a free spirit. All the shit I did at UVA with Bucks, with Spectrum Theater, I said, I'm made to do something where I can create and innovate. So I left IBM without having a job, interviewing at different companies. And that's when I saw the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness that I referenced earlier on. And I said, I need to do something where people are working with me because it's me, not because it's a big company. And so I got into commercial real estate where I was a broker, helping companies find office space, buy office buildings, very much like what Chris Gardner was doing, The Pursuit of Happiness, where instead of stocks, it's just office space and leasing. Here, I'm a guy with a mechanical engineering degree, Harvard business degree, doing something that most people don't even need to graduate from high school to do. But I liked it because it was very entrepreneurial and I was using my entrepreneurial and I was using my um, my networks for that. Moved back up to D.C., lived, moved in with my parents when I was 32 years old, sold my condo down in Atlanta and then built up the business in D.C. because it's a it's one of those regional jobs where, you know, your connections are strongest. If if you're in that area, the company I was at, Staubach, Roger Staubach was the founder of that company, the old Cowboys quarterback. He sold it to JLL much bigger company, went from 1,600 people across the country to 36,000. It lost some of its family feel. So I left JLL on good terms, went to work at a much smaller real estate investment firm in DC and um, uh, 13 people loved it for three years. Guess what happened, Tom? They got bought. So I left again without having a job. And I said, I just want to settle somewhere where I can be innovative, creative, and I can make my own time and my own schedule. And that's when I joined two of my partners to form Risk Cooperative. So what I do now for the past seven years is I'm one of the co-founders of a firm that does risk management and insurance brokerage. We tackle hard-to-place risks like cyber insurance, kidnap and ransom insurance, right? So any imps out there, you're about to get, or want to be imps that are about to get tapped, talk to me. I can get you kidnap and ransom insurance. Oh my God, we've got like great business opportunities here. Like- I can also tell you my kids are about to be kidnapped too. So oh, as far away from me as possible. So uh-huh. like, I wonder if I could do, well, I don't want to on this podcast talk about insurance fraud because, but because I want to be able to get the insurance, but also reap the benefits, but also get rid of the kids. So we have to kind of, yeah. do you have an insurance can, that could do that? I, and I know people who can cover up all the tracks. I can, I can help you. That's awesome. All right. Imp Nation, you heard it. If you, I know there are a few of you out there that want to get rid of your kids. Here's a way to get rid of them and make money on it at the same time. We got to call last. We have less. a business idea. It's called Latchkey Kids. That's the name of our company we just started. Oh, my God. We're going to be... I might make more money in that with, than I do with this podcast. Holy cow. I don't know what yeah. I'm going to I'm going to be swimming in money when I get out of this thing. <laughs> like Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you do ducks too? Give me a duck. I do ducks. I do Barack Obama. I do imp- So I, I actually, I do voiceovers too. Less Speaks More is my website. I do voiceovers. Okay. I this, didn't tell you that. Okay. This is crazy. Wait a second. Give me, can you do, can you get into Obama for a second? Can it, can you do it right on spot? Do, we, do I need to give you um, warm up time? Uh, I don't need any warm up because uh, I was born uh, to do this. Now, 
keep in mind, uh, I've been doing this for, for quite some time, even before I was president, when I was back in Illinois, uh, before I met Michelle, and uh, before there was a Sasha, Malia, uh, and I can't forget Bo and Sonny, R.I.P. Bo. Uh, I've been doing this for a long time, and I can do it as long as I need to for a better tomorrow and a better America. Oh, my God. God, that is amazing. <laughs> Holy cow. We can't, we're not going to follow the duck with that one. That is just too good. That's too good. That's too good. I tried to get Charles Wade to, to, to do George Welsh the other day when we were on the episode, and he, he, didn't, he didn't bite. But, you know, it's a good thing you didn't, Charles, because you couldn't follow up Obama. Wait, so now I can kind of say that I had Obama on my podcast now, you right? Did. Okay, you I'm, I'm going to market the heck out of that. I'm going to put it on like... <laughs> It's going to put it in the show notes. People are going to think I'm big time. I'm getting guests like Obama. That's awesome. Obama, Les Williams. <laughs> I, I actually, as a, as a joke two years ago, I was able to get reservations at this restaurant in D.C. by impersonating John Lewis. I called in. Nice. Can you, can you get, why do you do that one too? Yeah, I did. Here's what I, I won't mention the restaurant in case they're listening. I said, I want to let you know that I'll be coming to eat tomorrow at 8 p.m. And I'm going to bring my wife and I'm going to bring a friend of mine visiting from Atlanta. And I want to eat at a booth that is close to the window so I can look out and see freedom. That's phenomenal. Oh, my God. I love it. And I, and I got in and I was like, I'm John Lewis. Wait, wait, so I'm not quite sure how a podcast host transitions from that into his next question. I don't know. I'm finding there's this is a very hard transition. So I'm going to just be very transparent and open and honest with everyone. OK, I'm now transitioning because I just don't know how to transition out of that. Phenomenal. So, OK, so you're in this business and you're also teaching at UVA, too, right? I am. I'm teaching at UVA. And, and what's funny, the reason why it's such a good transition is because when I'm teaching at UVA, it's a class called the Business of Engineering. And I was tapped to do that two years ago. Yes, I was tapped for that. I was never tapped to join the IMS, but I was tapped to do that. And the, the person, Eric Loft, who's the department chair of the Mechanical Aerospace Engineering Department, he said, Les, we don't have a lot of engineers like you who are give back so much because I'm always down at UVA helping engineers find jobs. I do a lot of that stuff, right? Because people did that for me. And he said, how would you, would you consider teaching at UVA? But there's a process you have to go through, right? Because they have to open it up for bid. And so they did, but I was one of the people that ended up winning the spot. So I'm an adjunct professor on the faculty and I teach Harvard business school cases specifically focused around manufacturing companies. But get this, it's on Zoom because we have several students that are in the master's program that live in different states that can't do this in person. So it's on Zoom right now. And what I do to make things fun, it's a two and a half hour class every Thursday. I implement things like hand puppets during class. So when I'm doing Walmart and Amazon and people can't see this right now, but I'm reaching down and I have my two puppets in front of me. This is Dr. Who. And for those who cannot see, which is everybody, because this is a podcast, the squeaking noise. This is a puppet with a UVA tie on, and I do ventriloquism. So when I'm doing all the things with the students to make it interesting, I have him, and then I have this other puppet that's a dinosaur in my hand, and Tom's laughing for those that aren't there. And one is like the head of Amazon, the other's head of Walmart, and I talk about business strategy. And as silly as that sounds, kids, when they're like writing their homework or having discussions, they say, well, I remember when the dinosaur 
because they couldn't remember the name of the Walmart CEO, was arguing with Dr. Who, who is Jeff Bezos, now Andy, the CEO of Amazon. I remember that they were trying to copy each other's strategy. So I do that as well as I mix in some Barack Obama impersonations, because when you're sitting for two and a half hours discussing business cases, you can't just teach like a normal human being. You have to really inject spice into it. And I love it. I have guest speakers just like you. So I have some friends that are, one of my friends is the head of Princess Cruise Line. So we did a case study on her. Um, uh, somebody we had just yesterday, he is um, a colonel in the, in the um, army and he now teaches at Harvard Business School. He wrote a case and we studied his case. So I always have engineers that are doing amazing things in society, business leaders, and I help them network with them to find jobs and opportunities. The puppet master. I love it. You could you could have had those puppets back in college and you could have gone from fraternity party to fraternity party and you could have been the puppet guy and that could have been your shtick. You can go up and you can use the puppets while you're trying to meet women to go to one of the seven libraries. Everything is circular. It It all works. And here's the thing. You keep saying you could have. How about I can? Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With you by my side and Stacy and my wife, BJ, we can do it. You know, and it's, it, I might recommend that to my son, who's a first year, maybe to pick up the puppets thing. That might be yeah. his shtick. I like that. It's, it's so different and so unique and people laugh because it's so ridiculous. So wait, so when Stacy and I come to visit you and BJ, where are you living? What's the situation now? Yeah. Arlington, Virginia, hanging out. Crystal City, the Crystal Dizzle. Yeah. We're here. We're here in the middle of, speaking of Amazon, Amazon's building all around us. That's awesome. And I see yeah. you were, um, I saw on social media, you were brainwashing some nieces and nephews. Uh, oh, recently. yeah. Tell, was, me, tell me about that. Oh, man. So about three weeks ago, I took them down because I was meeting members of the students that are in Charlottesville. I met them in person for the first time, both both past students. I've done this two years teaching. So last year, some students came and we met at a place called The Corner Juice, which is owned by a good friend from elementary school. I'm one of those weirdos who keeps touch with people from all the way back from fourth grade. Strange, I know. And we all got together and I took my nieces and nephews. Three, I took the three younger ones, fifth grade, seventh grade, ninth grade. The two older ones couldn't make it. One's in Colorado. The other had to work that Saturday. But I wanted them to experience what UVA students are like because I want them to apply to UVA one day because it's such a great school. So had fun. They were so patient. They sat through all my crazy stories. I didn't embarrass them. I don't think at least. And then we walked along the lawn. I, I took videos, which you saw on my Facebook page, was them rolling down the hills right by the amphitheater. And, and, I, and I, I remember I was saying, bad uncle, bad uncle. And of course, the first person who gets the video is their mom, my sister, right? So I send that to her. And we just, I took them to get ice cream uh, and did all the fun stuff that uncles do because they can get in trouble with you and you can just send them back on their sugar high. I think that we're going to do that at the imp reunion when we have it. We have to. I think we should have it at the at the amphitheater when we get done with the first trash can of tuna. I think we're going to do rolling down the hill. Oh my god, this is great. We have we have to. Yeah, and maybe I think I might talk to Carla Williams and see if I can make it a varsity sport too while we're there. Oh my- she would love it. Yeah. She would love it. And we have to involve the new head coach, too, from, from Clemson. Yeah. He has to be there. He has to be a judge, too. Coach yeah, Elliott. I'll give him some profile. Right. Coach Elliott, I know you listen to this, and Tony Bennett listens to my episodes as well. They, they call me all the time, you know, from the road yeah. and say, hey, I really appreciated your, um, your episode with Les. He's the man. Love that guy. So 
tell me about now when you go back, where's your favorite place to eat? Oh man, Tavola. Tavola, it's located in um, the Belmont neighborhood. They know us so well. It's, it's, it opens at 5 p.m. For, for dinner and there's no reservation. So there's a line of people out front around 4.30. I love the bolognese. That's my favorite dish. And they have a bar in the back where we usually pregame in the bar. And then we, it's just, it's just such an awesome experience. I'm doing so much stuff, Don, that I couldn't do when I was a student because it was so damn hard for four years and I was so busy. The bowl is one. Another one is, um, uh, it's the one on Main Street. If you're driving down Main Street, it's on the far left, just after the Quirk Hotel. It's called Something Laundry. It'll come up to me. It'll, it'll come to me in a little bit. God, I'll remember it. But Kitchen Something, not Kitchen Laundry. I'll remember the name of it, but that that's another great one I that I love. Corner juice, of course, I mentioned that before. That's for my little snacks. Um, in the pizza place, uh, Lampos, Lampos, just on the other side of the downtown mall. Those are kind of my four go tos. Wait, uh, wait, wait! No bodos anymore. Why you you can't? Because a guy who looks oh, like no, you no, no, doesn't bodo. have carbs. Is that what the gig, gig is? Bodo. What's going on? I I go to bodo bodos, but I don't go to the one on University Avenue. The one I go to is right on twenty nine. Because I'm also Something I didn't mention, I'm a, I'm a trustee with the Virginia Engineering Foundations, so I go to meetings three times a year, and I'm also a trustee on the UVA Alumni Association, so I go to meetings two or three times a year. So before the meetings, Bodo's is, is, is a bit more appetizing sometimes than what we have at those meetings, but I'll stop, and my go-to is I get a blueberry bagel with bacon and eggs, no cheese, and I got two of those and a small cup of coffee. Okay, that wait, wait, wait. Time out, time out, time out. Is that just a lame attempt to try and make your order way worse and even more gross than my man Ted Jeffries? Is that what that is? Is that is wait. that blueberry and bacon? Who does that? Who does that? And by the way, the Ted Jeffries podcast, I emailed you after that. That went down in implore. That was implore. I could never top Ted Jeffrey's order. Never. And I will never try to. Man, no. That man. goes down in implore. Fact, in fact, I think what they need to name a sandwich after Ted Jeffries, call it Mr. Jeffries. You know, like, I think they had that at Little John's. They had like the Samson and stuff like that. The Samson, that's right. They're going to, we're going to, Bodo's, I'm going to talk to Bodo's. I'm going to get them to make the TJ. Everyone will think <laughs> it's like, everyone will think it's Thomas Jefferson, but we know it's Ted Jeffries. And then I'm going to have the no, Leslie, right, right. I'm going to have, the, I'm going to have the Williams, right. I'm going to, we're going to get down with that. So, so just, you know, I'm not being judgy, but that Bodo's order is horrendous the worst i've ever heard possibly worse than ted's but that's all right hey all right so ted you got one up today you, you have a favorite word with the letters imp in it i would say and you're gonna like this one most people would think it would be pimp but it's not it's actually important oh. so one of the things i live by in life is it's nice to be important but more important to be nice wow that's it all of us at the Imp Society were doing amazing things. Ted Jeffries, Charles Way, Wale, Thomas, Nick Jordan, who, by the way, is a close friend of mine now. He's younger than me, but he lives a mile from me and is one of my clients. And he's on the Alumni Association board with me. There's so many impressive people. Adrian Davis, another person I came into contact with. We went to Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology and UVA. She's in it. All the Imps I know, we're all important, but we're all nice. Unlike the Zoomers. Unlike the Zoomers, because that's just uh -huh. how they roll. 
Uh, yeah, you know what? So that's a great one. So that's going to be if you went back and you went to a Sunday at the chapel meeting or whatever it is nowadays, and you gave, imparted some wisdom. That that say that again. The, that that bears repeating. It's nice to be important, but more important to be nice. Oh man, that's awesome. Williams, you are important, man. Holy cow. First time you and I are hanging out and I am a I am the president of your damn fan club. Holy cow. I'm telling you. I'm just, just, just going to ask you, don't do any Tom Hensky impersonations. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. I'll only do it for Stacey. Oh, that's good. That's good. I know Havlicek yeah. said he's got one that he's going to break out on when we finally interview him. So it's like, uh, <laughs> and I'm, that's why I keep putting him off. He's going to be my 199 episode and I'm going to be 200. And then that's it. We're, we're done. We're done. <laughs> awesome. Anything you want to say to Imp Nation before we head off? I cannot wait to see all of you in person at the next gathering we have. I know there was, uh, I used to go to the faculty awards dinners before COVID's ugly ass reared its head, but I can't wait to do it. The graduate hotels where they usually take place, no matter where it is, my wife and I will be there. Tuna in hand. Les Williams, you are El Hombre, the man. Thanks for joining us today. Imp Nation, it's been real. Keep in touch and remember. Be important. Make other people feel they're important. When you think of less, think of that imp word, important. Have a great one, everyone. Take care. Hi there, Tom here. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay, stop laughing. Don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be, so I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense, C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.